It's a story that's 2,000 years old. Stand up with us tonight. I'm glad you're here to celebrate Christmas. We're going to sing a few songs, hear about the greatest story, asking that you make room for Jesus tonight. singing, you may be seated. 
Hey, we wanna thank you for being here with us tonight. If you have not already grabbed your candle, it is your time to do so. That's why we've dimmed the lights so no one can judge you as you get up to walk back there and grab it, all right? So go back and grab one of these. If you don't have it, you will need that later on in the service. They still did not take my uh, suggestion of filling it with eggnog so you have something to sip on as well, but we'll get there sometime. You know, new trends are hard to break in, all right? We are thankful that you're here for this uh, Christmas Eve service as we celebrate Jesus. And as we just sang, it's Christmas time, it's joy to the world, it's everything that we have hoped for and everything that we ever could dream about in the person of Jesus and the work that Jesus did. And sometimes when we think about Christmas, we think about, and, and even in movies that we talk about it, this Christmas miracle. Well, I had something happen in my life just in the last couple of days that was a Christmas miracle that I wanna use to kind of springboard us forward for this service and then as we leave and celebrate Christmas tonight, tomorrow with our family. My grandmother uh, refuses to accept Jesus as Savior, doesn't, never wanted to talk about it, would never, I've written her letters, I've talked with her in person, never in my life did I ever think she would be open to a dialogue about it. I read a book that was about a atheist father and a apologist son, one who defends the faith, where they started writing letters back and forth one to another so that they could dialogue about this, this faith. And the son's perspective was, dad, I want you to accept Jesus, but I also want you to know I'm not a lunatic. Like I believe in what I believe for good reasons. So I read this book, was, it was just, it was a great book. And I thought, I, I had it laying on my heart that I'm gonna send this to my grandmother. So I called my parents who were in Florida with her and I said, do you think she'd read it? Is this gonna cause an issue for you guys? Because I certainly don't wanna make it be a, a bad Christmas for you. I can wait until after Christmas. And they said, no, she's never gonna read it, son. Um, you can try, but she's never gonna read it. So I packaged up that book. I typed out a page long letter to her about how much I care about her. And I was just asking her to read this book. And yesterday or the day before, I got an email from my grandmother that said, dear boy, I will read that book. So it was a Christmas miracle in my house over the last couple of days. And so obviously we know it's the word of God that leads someone to repentance and that leads someone to Jesus. So it's not this book that's gonna save her, but it's gonna open up that dialogue. And man, if Jesus isn't joy to the world, there's no reason to send a book to an atheist grandmother. But Jesus is the joy of the world and salvation through him is what we celebrate tonight. So I'm gonna pray for us to get us started, but what I want us to focus on tonight and what Pastor John will talk about here in a minute, what you'll hear in the songs, is that this is all about Jesus, and Jesus is the greatest gift that was ever given to us, and if we're guilty of never sharing that gift with those around us, or with our loved ones, or with our coworkers, or our friends, then man, we're guilty of hoarding the best gift ever given. So as we sing about it, as we talk about it, as we worship tonight, worship in such a way that springboards you as you leave this place to tell others about the joy of the world. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your sacrifice. God, there's no reason for us to take an evening on the, the eve of the biggest day most of, in most people's lives of the year and spend it in here if it wasn't for the fact that you came if it wasn't for the fact that you came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross for us and raised three days later. Father, there's no reason to be here if it's not you. So as we sit here tonight, as we stand and sing, as we listen to Pastor John, as, as we worship you tonight, would it not stay in here? Would it not get so entrapped in our heart this moment of worship that we refuse to take it with us when we leave the door? Father, help us 
to be the type of Christians who are identified as that because they share the joy of the world to the world. We love you and thankful for everything you've done for us. It's in your son's name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, stand up with me. <laughs> I want you to think about the words of this song. He is a king, even though we celebrate a little baby. He is the king of kings and lords of lords. A king like this. A king like this. Majesty laying in a manger, a king like this, unto us is born a savior, the light, the light is come, a king like this, the highest name in the song of heaven, a king like this, born of to our suffering, the light, the light has come. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ our Savior. I bow my heart before no other name. I bow my heart before
king like this, a throne of grace that will stand forever. The angels sing, glory, glory, hallelujah. The light, the light is come. The light, the light has come. You may be seated. Please pay Let me tell you a story. About a man. Let me tell you a, a story. Good man. A family man. Oh, he was not a Scrooge. He was kind, generous, and upright in his dealings with others. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. As he sat in his fireside chair and read the newspaper, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then another, at first he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the house, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his living room window. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them and waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird and talk to them and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And 
he sank to his knees in the snow.
I don't know about you, but I, I love Christmas, and I, I love Christmas not just because of the gifts that you, you get, or, or not even because of the gifts that you get to give. I don't know about you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, but, but I love watching my children open gifts. I, I love watching my family open gifts, and, and as much as I like to, to get gifts, I love giving them and enjoy that even more and watching the process, and it's absolutely amazing when they're, when they're young and they get the gift that they wanted uh, or you thought they wanted, and they play with the box even more than, than the gift, right, when, when they're at that age, but as they grow and things develop, uh, that changes. And, and you begin to love Christmas for even some different reasons. But one of the reasons that I love Christmas isn't just the, the traditions. It's not just a, a moment where it's on the calendar. But it's gatherings like this where we can push away and make a little bit of room in our life for just a moment. You see, I grew up going to a candlelight Christmas Eve service, and, and we did ours at, at 11 o'clock, and, and the idea was it went until midnight, and, and then you were in church on, on Christmas Day, and, and, it, and here's the, the reality. You would go home, and, and we would celebrate a little while longer and talk about different things and spend time with family, and it just seemed like everything was, was centered for those few hours around Jesus and, and really what life, not just a season, but what life should be all about. And when we begin to roll back the clock and we begin to look at the, the Christmas story, it seems like there's so much that's packed into just a, a very short amount of time. I mean, when you look at the life of Joseph and all that's going on in his life, it seems like his life is pretty full. Then when you look at the life of Mary and all that's going on, I mean, she's planning the, the wedding and getting everything taken care of, and all of a sudden, life is interrupted. And if you've ever been involved in, in, in planning a wedding and getting a future ready, you know that there is no room for the unexpected interruption, right? You're on a mission. You have things to do. And, and it was the same in their culture in that day. There were things to take care of. There were things to plan, people to be around, and moments to hold on to and remember. You look at the shepherds, and as the story unfolds with the shepherds, when Christ is born, they're out on the hillside, and, and they're there, and they're going about everyday life. And all of a sudden, in the midst of their work, in the midst of the things that, that are their routine, life is interrupted. We look at Matthew, and, and sometime around the, the birth of Christ, there's a star that appears, and, and these wise men begin to journey in the, midst of, in the midst of their life, in the midst of doing business day to day. All of a sudden, they notice something is different, and it interrupts their life. And they say, we need to go and, and see what this is about you know, we look at Joseph, we look at Mary, we look at the shepherds, we look at the wise men. We look at anything associated with the Christmas story in Scripture, and, and here's what we discover. That there was moments where life seemed like it was going okay. Moments where life was full. And then all of a sudden, God steps in. And he says, I'm going to send the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want to make a little bit of room for him. And I want to invite you to, to come around and take a look at the one who truly is indescribable. 
But do you notice there's something in my life and your life and in the lives of those that, that are in the Christmas story, in, in our culture and society today, it all matches up. And, and here's what it says in Luke chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed or registered. This census first took place while Serenius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. That meant that Joseph would go up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished or completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I think about those words, no room. There was no room for them in the, the end. You know, when, when you think about life and you think about all the things that were, were taking place, I, I can remember as a child thinking when I would hear the Christmas story, how could the, the innkeeper, right, because that's our mindset, how could the innkeeper turn away a, a pregnant woman and, and, and Joseph as, as they're, they're traveling, and how could he let it happen that a baby would be born and placed in a, in a manger, and we can think of all of these scenarios and, and why it just doesn't make sense because it doesn't line up with, with our expectation. But even in the, the midst of the Christmas story, here's what we see. That there was limited room for God even when he entered the world. There was limited space it was, it was busy, it was crowded. So, so let me just ask you something. As you're thinking about your schedule, as you're thinking about some of the, the final wrappings and some of the final baking and some of the final preparations that, that you're making, and as some of you are wondering, man, I wonder what gift I got and, and, and how great it's gonna be tomorrow. I just, I just wanna ask you this. What's crowding out Christmas and the celebration of Jesus? in your life? What's crowding out the, the celebration of Jesus, the celebration of Christmas in your life? You see, there's a, a lot of things that are, that are going on in, in, in my mind, a lot of things that are going on in your mind. I don't know what you've spent your day doing, but, but I know what I've spent my day doing, and it was finishing up uh, other things and taking care of last-minute things and then getting a phone call and somebody saying, look, it, it, they're not going to make it. Could, could you come? We could use you right now. And, and I think about, man, on a day like today, this is, this is going to be the memory. It's going to hang there, and next year it'll be a, a reminder. And, and my, my mind became filled with all of these other things, and it was as if God spoke to me and said, you know what, John, you're, you're getting ready to, to talk about making room for me in just a little bit, and, and you're letting all of the things that can keep me out creep in your life because of the circumstances because of the situations and the scenarios. And in an amazing, 
the things that creep into our life. So, so I just began to think about some of the things that, that were creeping into Mary's life and Joseph's life and, and others. And, and when we begin to, to take a look at what was creeping in, think about this for, for just a moment. When, when we look at what was creeping into Joseph's life and Mary's life and, and those that are around him, how, how about the anticipation? Sometimes we, we put expectations around the Christmas gatherings. We put expectations in, and we anticipate how things are going to be, and, and yet when things don't turn out exactly like we anticipated, we begin to think something's off and something must be wrong, and, and that's part of why when Jesus showed up, people didn't recognize him because they took the promises, they took the expectations and, and that they had and placed it on those promises, and they said, man, this is what it's going to be like, yet God promised this. He said, you can expect this. You can expect a virgin will bear a child. You can expect that it's going to be in Bethlehem, an unlikely place. But whether it's an unlikely place and unlikely people involved or not, here's what he said. He said, I'm going to send a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And he didn't say a whole lot more than that. But isn't it amazing how we fill our lives with certain expectations? We anticipate that things are going to turn out a, a certain way. And I imagine when Jesus showed up on the scene in Bethlehem and he was placed in a manger, Joseph and Mary had to be thinking, wow, we never expected it to be like this. I'm certain that those that were crowding Bethlehem at that time and that journey never anticipated that they would be a part of that moment because it didn't meet their expectation. I think sometimes our expectations and what we anticipate crowd things out. But do you know there's, there's something else that crowds some things out? How about anger? How about the emotions of life? Do, do you know what the, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2? It says that Herod was troubled. It says that Herod was angry. You ever stop and think that Herod missed the Savior? That Herod missed the Christ child because he was threatened? Because it didn't meet an expectation? Because he thought that maybe somebody was going to take what was his? When you look at the Christmas season, and what crowds things out in, in your life. What's keeping Jesus from having room and reign in your life? What's keeping him from bringing the peace in your life and giving you the comfort of an everlasting father, one that will never leave you, never forsake you? Sometimes it's just expectation. Some people say, look, I've never trusted Christ. I've never gotten into the Christmas thing because, because I have this expectation that, that I have to be really perfect or, or somebody else didn't meet my expectation along the way, so, so I'm just not going to make that my thing. Some people are just upset. They're upset with life circumstances. They're upset with God's timing. They're, they're upset with different things that are taking place. And, and you know what? That, that anger, that emotion, it caused Herod to miss Christmas and what Christmas is all about. And if we're not careful, it'll cause us to miss what Christmas 
is all about. It'll crowd Jesus out. You see, there was no room for him. But, but when we celebrate Christmas, here's, here's what happens. In order to celebrate Christmas, we have to make room. How about the burdens? How many of you are tired of some of the, the burdens that we're, we're dealing with? Some of the, the things that are just going on, it, it's, it's just weighing on you and, and you just feel like there's an edge. You, you begin to, to look and, and you look at Joseph and Mary and you want to talk about burdens. Burdens, something weighing on them. They had to make a journey. You talk about mandates, they were talking about taxes. Talk about higher expenses, they were talking about traveling in many ways, an unknown path, an unknown direction. You see, they know the emotion of, of a burden. They, they know that a burden can sometimes creep in and, and crowd some things out. It wasn't just burdens, there was interruptions, life not going as, as planned. How about the complications, giving birth out of town in a strange and unusual place? How about all the, the family that, that must have been there and traveling? Because if Joseph went back to the place where, where his family was from, very likely that other family was there, and they're on the outside, and there they are in this place that's kind of unknown, and we associate it with, with a, a hotel because in a, an inn in our mind is kind of like that, right? We just pull up and get a room. It wasn't to, to that effect, but here they are. They're in unfamiliar surroundings, unfamiliar territory, and it seems like that there's no room for them because they were crowded out by the requirements, by the emotions, they were crowded out by the uncertainty that was going on in their day. But let me ask you this. What is, what is crowding out Jesus in your life today? What's, what's keeping you up late? What's waking you up early? What's occupying your mind as you go throughout the day. Because the truth is this. It doesn't matter what day and time it is. It doesn't matter who we are. There's all things in everyone's life that we're susceptible to coming in and crowding out the Christ child. Crowding out what the Christmas season is supposed to be all about, crowding out what our life is supposed to be all about. So let me ask you something. What do we do in order to, to make some room for Jesus? What, what do we do to be unlike the innkeeper, unlike Bethlehem, and, and just begin to, to push away and, and get some of the things out and make some room for Jesus? What, what do we do to, to, to push away the, the baking of the cookies and the, the final wrappings and all of the other things and just enjoy Jesus? Here's, here's one of the things that, that we've got to do, and, and it's this. It's respond to the invitation, not your expectations. You see, some of us 
expect Christmas to be perfect and we expect to put on a big spread and we expect everybody to be happy and everybody to get along and we've painted this picture that so often is, is just unreal and we set ourselves up for failure because of an expectation. Here's a reality. The shepherds responded to an invitation. The wise men responded to an invitation. Mary and Joseph responded to an invitation. I would imagine if, if God would have told the wise men, hey, guess what? You're going to find him in a, in a very common, ordinary surrounding. He's going to be a young child. His parents aren't, aren't going to have much when, when you get to him. Some of them might have said, I'm not certain that it's worth the journey. If God would have said, hey, Mary, I want you to know I'm going to interrupt your life. You're going to get to, to demonstrate faith, and you're going to get to trust me, but, but here's how it's going to go down. You're going to have to go to Bethlehem. Not only are you going to have to travel and pay taxes, but you're going to give birth to the Son of God in a barn. I'm certain that, that Mary might have said, you know what? It's not, it's not how I expected this is going to go. And all of a sudden, her mind would race as ours does, and say, what are we going to do to, to make all of these things certain? And, and the, the shepherds, they weren't invited anywhere, yet they were invited. And here's what they had. They just had the expectation of what God told them. What was it that God told them? God said this, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I want to tell you something. I don't know what you're expecting today. But you have an invitation to come to the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I don't know what's occupying your mind today and what's crowding out Jesus in your life and what's keeping you at an arm's distance or even further from him, but, but I want you to know that you have an invitation to come to him. And, and here's, here's the invitation. The invitation is, is, says all are welcome. It's good news of great joy, which shall be to all people, for there is born to you. That was for the shepherd. That's for you. That's for me. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Do you know what you can do with the invitation from God? You can trust it. The shepherds were invited and they found it just as they were told. Today, I want to tell you this. I don't know your story. I don't know what's going on in your life but there is the wonderful counselor 
who is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and he wants to bring peace into your life. And just as the shepherds were invited so long ago, you are invited. And just as they found exactly what they were told, a Savior who would love them and accept them and forgive them, I promise when you respond to Jesus, you will find a Savior that loves you, that accepts you, that will forgive you, and that will bring good news and great joy into your life. So we respond to the invitation. That's one of the things that we do. But let me tell you something else quickly. And, and, and here it is. It's real, real simple. Make the important the urgent. You see, some of you are on a deadline because you've got something urgent. But can I tell you something? It's not all that important. Because there's some things in this life that pile up on us and we feel like it's really urgent. And culture tells us it's really urgent because it's making noise and it's bothering us and we've got to get it done. But here's the reality. It's not always all that important. It's not always going to matter a week from now, a day from now, two years from now. You see, sometimes the things that we think are urgent, well, it might need to be taken care of, right? I mean, if the stove's on fire, you might want to put it out. That's urgent. That's important. But if there's a sense of urgency that you've got to, to go ahead and take care of all these undone things so that tomorrow meets perfect expectations. You know what I've discovered more often than not in life, those things that seem that urgent aren't always that important. For the shepherds, they said, you know what, the most important thing for us right now is to get to Bethlehem and to make room for Jesus. And they come and they find him accessible in a stable. They come and find him just like it was promised in a manger. Why? Because they responded. Why? Because they made the important, the urgent. They said, let us go now. I want to tell you something. Jesus is important and Jesus is urgent. And some of us right now, are worried about the urgency of getting things ready tomorrow and we're letting Jesus be crowded out. Can I tell you something? Jesus is worth celebrating. And Jesus is the important and Jesus is the urgent in our life. Not just during Christmas, but every day, all day. Let the important be the urgent, the thing that's driving you, the thing that's compelling you. Can I encourage you to do this? And it's just real simple. It's to unwrap the Savior in the manger. You see, so many of us are wrapped up with our anticipation. We're holding on to the anger, the emotion, like Herod. We're worried about the burdens 
the mandates, the taxes, the travelings, like, like, like we're upon Mary and Joseph. We're, we're not able to get past the interruptions, the things that we didn't plan, the complications, the family, the crowds, all of those things are, are there, and, and all of those things seem urgent, but they're not always the important. And, and here's what happens, is the shepherds come, and the shepherds discover Jesus, and they unwrap the Savior. You see, here's what happens when we take a look at what happens in verse number 7. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see the simplicity of that? They just come. There's no more expectation than that. There's nothing more urgent than that. They just come and they see the simplicity of Jesus right there. They, They see the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. They see everything right there in a manger. It's so simple. It's not complicated. They go and they say, wow, here it is. They see the simplicity. They see the love. They see the love that Jesus gave in John 3.16 as he's talking with those around. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The shepherds would come and they would see the simplicity of a savior that had room for them. They would come and they would see the love that, that would accept them. They would come and and they would see the simple, loving Savior that is known as the light of the world. And that light means life, and that life is eternal. And that is what Christmas is all about, yet so many times... The pressures, the circumstances, the anticipation, the expectation is crowding us away. It's pushing us back from the Savior instead of bringing us closer to the Savior. And tonight, I just want to ask you this. Do you know him as your Savior? Have you trusted him as your savior? If you never have, you can do that right now, right here. You say, John, why why is that so important? Because if we go and we try and unclutter our life and remove all of the things ourselves, here's what happens. We'll only see all of those things. And, And can I tell you this? When you see the simplicity and you see the love and you see the light, and you see the peace that comes from Jesus, here's what happens. You're able to focus on those things. What we see, we focus on. And what we focus on, we're going to see. And what we see and focus on, those are things that we are going to share. You say, how do you know that? Because that's what the shepherds did. That's what the wise men did. That's what Mary and Joseph did. It's all through the story. It's already all through your life and my life. What do you see at Christmas time? 
Do you see a bunch of expectations and anticipate struggles? Do you, do you see the crowds? Do you see the burdens with what's going on in, in culture and society right now? What, what, what do you see? You see, there's so many things that, that we see. It, it keeps us away from Jesus. It, it crowds us away from his purpose. But, but I want to encourage you to come close and look at the one who came into this world and in the manger you see the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who is a wonderful counselor and wants you to come to him right here, right now, if you don't know him. So tonight, if you don't know him, Here's what I encourage you to do, right where you are, right now, if you'd like to know him. If you'd say, I'd like to experience his forgiveness, I'd like to experience his peace, right here, right now, just pray a simple prayer from your heart to the heart of God that simply says this, dear Jesus, the best I know how. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. Jesus, I'm trusting you to do that. Just as you guided the shepherds and they received what you told them they would, I'm trusting you tonight that I'll receive that salvation as well. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. If you pray a simple prayer like that, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your statement of faith that you believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he can do. If that's you tonight, I want to encourage you and let you know that you made the greatest decision that you could ever make. And Maybe you're here tonight and you say, John, I've already made that decision. But honestly, there's some things that are crowding Jesus out. There's some things that that I'm struggling with, and, and quite honestly, I just need to see the simplicity. I just need to see the love, the peace. I just need to focus on that for just a moment. Here's how we're going to wrap things up this evening. What I want to encourage you to do is to get your, your candle out. And right now, that candle doesn't look like a whole lot and it's not very meaningful in the condition it's in but when we begin to go ahead and look at this candle we begin to see what can happen with this candle we take the light it begins to make all the difference. You see, what we see gets our attention. What we see is going to be what we focus upon. But what we see and focus upon is what we really want to share. So tonight, just as the shepherds shared the message of Jesus, the light of Jesus so long ago, I would encourage you to see the simplicity and to make room for Christ in your life by not only trusting him, but by seeing the simplicity of his light, seeing the simplicity of his love, seeing the Savior in a way that only you can see him. Dwight, I want to share that light and hope with you. Dwight is going to come 
and he's going to share it with others. And we just want you to take it and pass it around the room tonight because that light, that love, that hope is what we can share. Tonight, I'm going to ask you, as you're lighting these candles, just to pray with me for a moment, to take that light, to see the light, but to focus on that light. Amen. That's right. Let's pray. Father, as we're lighting, as we're sharing these lights, Lord, I ask that you would help us to push away from all the other things and be able to see the light that comes from the manger, the light that flows from your heart to our heart and to the hearts and lives of others. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. For just a moment, think about the light, the love, the peace that comes from the Christ child. See what he has, what he is. When you think about all the things that we share, we don't think a minute about letting everybody know the things that we've got to get done, what has to take place between now and tomorrow. But when it comes to sharing the light of Jesus, we might hesitate. I want to encourage you to see the light, to focus on it, and to share it. Dave's going to come and lead us. Go ahead and stand up with your light. Sing this out.
pray with me tonight. Father, you said you're the light of the world. And Father, as we hold a symbol of that light in our hands tonight, Father, help us understand that that light lives in us every day of the week if we know you as Savior. And we have an opportunity every day to let that light so shine before men that we can give an account of your love. So, Father, with that opportunity comes a great responsibility. So, Father, as we leave here tonight, as we carry this, this light out to the world, let it penetrate the darkness. Let it proclaim joy to the world. The Lord has come. Father, let us feel your power and your presence as we go forth tonight. We come. We thank you for this unspeakable gift that you've given. Help us to be bearers of the light. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed.